Yes, hello. I have a free gift for you. Yes, I have completely recreated the introductory free guided meditation and email course for Magic.me. I have completely taken a lot of the best material, the best podcasts, a lot of my best free content and completely recreated this introductory stream to give you all of the best free information that I have on starting to learn magic. Why have I done this? A couple reasons. One is the old one just got old and I needed to make a new one. But also, if you're anything like me, you've probably been feeling out of sorts, shall we say, for the last two years since the beginning of COVID. And uh, yes, it, it's been interesting. Here we are. It's what I mean, I'm recording this in August of 2021 and the nightmare continues. So there's one thing that I've really learned about myself again during COVID, which is you can learn and know all of the techniques in the world for emotional management, for spirituality, for meditation, for, you know, focusing on your true will, understanding your true purpose in life, being in the flow. And in fact, you can be very successful at them and be fully in the flow of your true purpose in life, and then you can get knocked the F off by craziness happening. Of course, that can happen in your personal life, or as we have all seen, the world can just decide to fall apart. So when it comes to spirituality, and actually when it comes to life, right, it's not just what you know, and actually it's not just what you do, because we've all, we've, we've all heard the kind of truism, the phrase, it's not what you know, it's what you do. It's not even what you do. It's what you do under stress. That's what matters, right? When everything is just haywire and falling apart, isn't it really easy to forget even the most basic things? Like, for instance, remember to breathe, have a goal for your life. Things like this, you know, don't snap, don't freak out, don't push your stress off onto the people around you. Um, I have been guilty of making these mistakes and many, many, many more over the last two years. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, you're probably thinking of times where you've been less than at your best. And there's a level even deeper than that. Of course, I teach tons of techniques at magic.me for, for instance, keeping peak energy, for yoga, meditation, breathing, things like this that keep you in a flow state, keep you in a peak state. But it's a lot deeper than that. The thing that so many of us are suffering from, other than the obvious, but underneath those things that are happening on the surface, there's an even deeper issue, and that is people have lost the plot. They've lost what, like, what's the script I'm following? What's the story? Because how many of us, me included, had a plan for their life and a map and maybe even set goals or at least just a vague idea? of a direction to go in prior to COVID. And now that map is just completely thrown out because we live in a completely new world where it just doesn't apply anymore. Or maybe the details have to change radically. So if there's one thing that magic is tremendously good at, it's changing the story, right? It is changing. When we talk about magic and we talk about changing your reality, what does that really mean? right? It's not necessarily Dr. Strange type of things. What does change your reality mean? Ultimately, and I mean this practically, it means getting down to the root and changing the story. We are all having 
endless bad stories pushed on us, right? Just look at the news. I try not to. Uh, I try not to doom scroll. But the second you you kind of tune in to the story that everyone is being corralled into, man, I can like literally I can look at the TV news and after 90 seconds, I could have been feeling okay before that. But after 90 seconds, I can suddenly be feeling lost and confused and self-doubting. It's insidious. It's unbelievable how quickly the insane fear-based narrative of the world can throw you off. So what is magic? Magic is a set of technologies and a set of techno- a set of techniques for going deep down, going to the core of who you truly are, reconnecting with your true purpose in life, which I believe we're all born with. The details may change. The names and places may change as time goes on, but that core is there. Right. So magic is a set of techniques for dipping down into that, what we all already have, but sometimes we get disconnected from, sometimes we lose the thread of reconnecting that to that with really, really good techniques. For instance, yoga, meditation, ritual. And then from that, recontextualizing the story of your life and how you're going to express that core essence of who you are into the world and how you're going to go forward in life realigned with yourself in a way that is back in check with the way the world really is. In short, identifying yourself with and then expressing and achieving your true will, right? That's the point of magic. So obviously, I teach whole courses on how to do this at magic.me. For instance, the Adept Initiative, right? But in addition, over the last several years, I've been, I've been putting out tons of free content into the public explaining this and how to do it. And it's, there's no monetary price attached to it because it's important and it needs to go out into the world. And yes, it markets my courses and all of that, but also it's just tons of really good free content. So that includes, for instance, the ever-growing YouTube channel, the ever-growing, this podcast, right, is free. The constant new blog articles that we're putting out as the team is growing at Magic.me. It's several people putting this stuff out now. And I wanted to get all the, the core material into one place. It's all free and give it to you so you can get started. So basically, that means a free guided meditation and then about five days of free emails that have uh, links to our best podcasts and best articles. It's a really, really good introductory sequence that literally anybody can get into and understand what we're talking about here and then get the techniques and start practicing them. No purchase required, right? So uh, I really recommend getting on it. If you want to get on this, it is start.magic.me, right? So go to start.magic and that's M-A-G-I-C-K dot me, start.magic.me. Put in your email address and you'll get the whole thing for free. If you're already on my mailing list, as a lot of you are, I highly recommend going there and signing up anyways, because it's all new material. And uh, in addition to that, I've added a new feature to this welcome stream where I ask you, are you a beginner or advanced student of magic? Even if you're already on the list, please sign up and please click on that email, because that's then going to set everything that I send you in the future on the mailing list, right? Meaning... If you're a beginner, I'm not going to be sending you super advanced stuff. And if you're an advanced student, I'm not going to be sending you articles on how to do a sigil and things like that. I'm, you're, you're only going to get the more advanced content so that you can skip the stuff you've already heard you know, many, many times over. So 
at the end of the day, there's one thing I really want to express and I want you to remember and think about going forward, which is the when people have been through insanity, insanity over the last several thousand years of, of human history, unbelievable, unbelievably extreme situations. The techniques that are taught at magic.me go back in many cases, for instance, in the case of yoga, 10,000 years, right? These techniques have stood the test of time. They have worked for people in all times and places. They will work for you as long as you have a human consciousness. I'm hoping that's most of you. They will work for you. That's the reason that these are the sacred heritage of humanity. When things fall apart, when times get tough, when things are thrown into chaos, it's important to remember that there are things that are eternal, that stand the test of time, that will be there for you, that are present within the structure of reality and the structure of human consciousness that you can always fall back on no matter what BS is happening out there in the world. Okay, so I'm really excited for you to start getting these emails. If you have 15 minutes to do a guided meditation, you have enough time. Jump in. It's free. It's going to be awesome. And I will see you in class. It's at start.magic.me. Start.magic, M-A-G-I-C-K dot me. That's it. Okay, so episode 80 of the Ultra Culture Podcast. This is an awesome one. It is a super intense one. Uh, this is a conversation between me and a student from Office Hours from a couple years ago, uh, pre-COVID. But it's about what happens when you go too far, uh, particularly with drugs. And you go so far out that um, you break and your life breaks. Not something I recommend for anyone, but... We have a extremely, I think, profound and intense conversation on some extremely intense territory. All right. Really hope you enjoy this and I will see you in class. Hey, Jason. How's it going? Good. Uh, I just have um, a couple really tight questions about the LBRP in particular. So, uh, to give you a little bit of background, I've been doing the LBRP for the past uh, 10 months now, um, starting out with twice a day. Now I do it actually uh, starting out with four times a day. Now I do it five times a day. My general routine is in the morning. It's LBRP, middle pillar, meditation, LBRP, afternoon before or after lunch, LBRP, evening, LBRP, middle pillar, meditation, LBRP. So after 10 months of this, my uh, meditation practice has been primarily centered on uh, self-inquiry mm -hmm. and uh, subject-object work. And as I'm sure you well know, <laughs> in that kind of work, uh, things get a little bit tricky and you really have to ground yourself out in actuality, drop imagination, drop all conclusions, and uh, really, really... When you say subject-object work, how do you mean? Oh, uh, you know, getting into uh, a very deep subjective state, putting awareness on awareness... And then working with the question, what is the difference between subject and object Got as it. you work? 
through it in a perceptual sense rather than an academic sense of subject. Matter. Yeah, no, this is like direct perceptual work. Okay, got it. Um, and so I've been really kind of focused on that the past couple of months, and which is really interesting for that last LBRP session after meditation. <laughs> but uh, one of the questions that I had is how, uh, maybe in your personal experience, how, because I'm sure you've done a lot of self-inquiry work and subject-object work, this kind of, uh, these kinds of practices in the past. How do you really work with that difference between sort of grounding out all of your perceptions in actuality and then switching over into a ritual in which you're working in an imaginative space? Um, personally, when I've uh, tried to maintain uh, my grounding in what is actual, but just sort of powered right on through <laughs> with the imaginative work, it actually yields really amazing results. Those pentagrams can burn your hand, <laughs> you know, so to speak. Okay. Uh, but I'm curious what maybe some of your experience has been okay. uh, with regards to that. So what is your, with all this ritual, this big ritual stack, I mean, that's a tremendous amount of energy to be putting out in focus. So you must have a pretty burning goal for doing these things. I went too far once <laughs> and uh, it's taken a lot of work to get back. How do you mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I used, I used, I died, <laughs> you know? Okay. Was this with um, substances or without? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used, I used enough nitrous to kill, kill a person, you know, wow. over the course of a, one one to two year period and uh very very dangerous extraordinarily dangerous work you know uh messing with that stuff and were and, you doing it with like a spiritual or shamanic context well it didn't start off like that <laughs> it was okay. all fun and games at first <laughs> okay but uh then some i started to have some experiences and it got you know to be this very isolated um thing that I was doing personally, magic became involved, shit crumbled fast uh, and hard. You know, luckily I had a Roshi that popped up two blocks down, <laughs> down from my house that just started teaching suddenly. So Funny how um, yeah, I was, it, I was very lucky to have access suddenly magically to a Zen Roshi who whipped my shit around real quick. So, uh, I studied Zen. Whip it in your shit around real quick. What was that? Whip it in your shit around real, real quick. Whip it. <laughs> no, uh, I'm sorry. What was that? Oh, you said whip, whip, whipped your shit around. I heard whip it. But... No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, he whipped my, he pulled the rug out from under me really quick with regards to experiences that I had had. Okay. And so I spent, you know, a solid year focusing, uh, you know, strictly on Zen practice, um, you know, and then maybe another six months of therapy along with Zen practice, because I was in a lot of pain. I, I hurt myself pretty bad. Physically um, or emotionally or, or both? All both, both. So, so both. There, was there some type of physical damage from the nitrous? Yeah, yeah. I had a pretty, pretty, what was that? lungs, heart, or where, what, what happened? The whole thing, basically, well, you know, if you use that stuff too much, word to the wise for anybody out there, 
you know, it'll uh, deactivate your body's ability to utilize B12. So the myelin sheath on your nerves disintegrates. And so kind of like the feeling you have if a limb goes to sleep and then painfully wakes up, that over your entire body and throughout your entire brain and including your entire sense of being. Anybody who's, you know, become addicted to ketamine or any other dissociative drug. Uh, will speak to the particularly horrendous, um, you know, uh, aspects of, uh, you know, coming back from from abuse of any of these drugs. And it's really interesting, you know, I've done a, a lot of different kinds of drugs in the past, never really had any addictive issues with them, but right place, right time, causes and conditions, <laughs> you know, this one got me. So uh, how long ago was this? And this would have been uh, well over, as far as like ending use completely, well over like a year and a half ago. Okay. And do you, do you still have the physical side effects now or have they abated? It's taken a lot of work. Um, you get to a point where you become, the pain just becomes your reality. Um, okay. And so yes, yes and no, they, they, they've abated quite a bit considerably. Um, you've been, I'm assuming you've been working with um, a doctor or you've been working in medical, medical care. Oh, yeah. I went the whole Western route. You know, I had MRIs. I had, you know, just about everything you can imagine. Nothing turned up with those. And that doesn't particularly surprise me. Have um, you I'm talking at- about having a third eye that's buzzing so hard you can't. I'm talking about shifting your entire consciousness into another reality, going that far and then slowly trying to walk your way back. Not easy. Have you looked at methylated B12? No, I haven't. I haven't looked at methylated B12. I don't know a whole lot about this. And obviously I'm not a doctor, so I'm not sure if you give any type of advice on this, but um, methylated B12 is methylated, meaning it is a type of B12 that because some people um, uh, have a, uh, some people naturally cannot utilize B12. The yeah. body methylate B12, so they, they can't absorb it. Um, but you can get methylated B12, which is pre-methylated, and potentially your body may be able to make immediate use of. Yeah, you know, it's not so much an issue now as, you know, when you start uh, messing with your nervous system, some of that can, can come back with work. Some of them can't, some of that cannot come back with work. It Most importantly, what was that? It might be something to check out. I mean, you can just get it. Uh, I definitely, yeah, I take a B12 liquid every day. So, you know, definitely any more effective B12. Yeah, uh, it just may just be much more effective for you. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, <laughs> to answer your question as to why do you have such an involved stack? Well, you know, when your head is basically filled with the voices of, you know, God only knows what constantly. And this is going from having a very silent, very grounded form of consciousness throughout my entire life into basically having my entire reality and my consciousness and myself, a sense of self obliterated, you know, and uh, sweeping up the pieces, piecing it back together. And, you know, ultimately with any, the thing like this in life, discipline, you can turn tragedy into triumph. You really can. And looking back, you know, I was an atheist 
completely unspiritual, highly intellectualized, you know, would laugh at uh, anything of, of the spiritual nature of life. And you're really missing out, you know, if you don't explore that aspect of yourself and you just sort of become a physical materialist, hmm. um, however intelligent you may be, just as a point. But yeah, so uh, that just to give you some background on why my stack is so... and. You know, I, I did Zen strictly for a year, then started up with therapy again. And uh, because I wanted to make sure that I was actively, you know, putting the intention out there to directly deal with these kinds of issues, the steps that led up to this kind of stuff. But then I picked magic back up. I felt as if, you know, it started, my magic work started during this period. And then I eventually dropped it because shit just got way, way too out of control. Um, but I felt that... too out of control for you? <clears throat> oh, I don't even know if I can explain it in <laughs> words, Jason, to be well, honest. What if you... What if, just, just see what comes out, you know? Uh lots of visions realer than real M moving into uh aspects of reality or having direct experiences of reality not hallucinations that are more real than this reality that we're in now so not hallucinations like when you drop acid or when you do shrooms um you know i'm talking about realer than this real so was this like cl closed eye experience or open eye, like seeing things? Open eye. So would an example be? Um, but that was just a warning. That was just a warning. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> that realm. The, the other experiences, uh, death, the realms of death, the shadow realms. Okay. So actually interacting with those levels of reality and seeing things there. The shades. Okay. And how did this make you feel? I had something I had to do there, apparently. But I, I'm not... It was very exciting at first because I had shattered a rationalist paradigm, you know, that I had held my entire life. And uh, so there's two things. There, there was one main vision. This, is, this was beatific, okay, like that level. Um, one of those things where it's unmistakable. You're like, okay, I had it wrong. And, uh, you know, I, I had to make some decisions. I had full, like going all the way up, you know, very similar to like five MEO DMT experiences like that, that I've heard people recount before, but this was actually using nitrous. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I probably had over the period of two years, 200 of these experiences, you know, 250 of these experiences. So it'd be very difficult for me to recount them all. Obvious. Well, when you, why did you, uh, so I, let's, let's recount two. There's two things I'd like to know. One is where, let's think back to before you started doing nitrous. Sure. You were right before you started taking it. Um, <laughs> Where were you and why did it begin? Was it just a recreational thing? Was it a party thing? Or was there a specific intent going into it? I mean, recreation and party is a specific intent. Don't get me wrong. Here. Sure, sure. Yeah, it actually... Uh, <laughs> I was... 
dating this uh, this woman who was actually a, a porn actress, mm-hmm. and uh, during a you know sort of intimate encounter with a few friends, you know, we had done some ecstasy, and she pulled the canister or you know uh, several several of these packs out of her backpack, and I had. I'm reposing today. You'll have to forgive me. Um, I had done nitrous before years ago, but it did nothing for me, you know? Um, and for whatever reason, the combination of the, the ecstasy that I was on and the nitrous that I did in that moment, <laughs> everybody else was doing it, but I was like completely blown away because I heard something like something else, you know, there was a voice or a calling or something when I, when I did this and everything was being passed around. And so that sort of continued during that, that one little, you know, party encounter. But afterwards, you know, the next day, some people slept over the next day, once everybody was gone and I was just back in my place alone, I was like, Okay, we're going to experiment. I want to find out what was it? What was that feeling? It was a feeling of supreme truth and supreme wisdom uh, that was waiting there. And I touched that, but then I threw it all away. What do you mean? Um, I got what I was looking for, but I was greedy and I didn't have any of the development that's required to go to, to these levels. So if I'm, if, if I'm correct in understanding what you were saying, you, and yeah, I mean, by the way, nitrous at least tends, has, you know, in my experience tends to traditionally be, be used while peaking on other chemicals, right? Yeah. BMA or, or acid or other ones, right? Sure. And that's a, and it intense, or sexually, right? And it intensifies, it's, a, it's an intensifier. Um, <laughs> you were just thinking about it just now. <laughs> what no, you know it's 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 been so removed from me. But I'm I'm just I'm feeling uh, my own internal ungrounding in just relating uh, relating these stories. So I'm slowly. Well, luckily, I have some experience of these things, so uh, we're okay. not. <laughs> Someone I know has experience of these things. Sure. Um, so. Um, but then of course causes brain damage long-term, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, um, or can, because I think every, the brain is extremely neuroplastic and can heal itself as we know. Yeah. So way more neuro, n- neuroplastic than most people would believe. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. So for instance, case in point, as I'm sure, you know, and some people on this call may or may not know the old left bright brain dictomy has kind of been overturned. Because what they realize is that people who have brain damage in certain parts of their brain, um, like of a, a certain area of the brain is traumatized and can no longer perform a function that it was supposed to fun- uh, perform, other parts of the brain will pick up the slack and switch gears to take that up. So what they realize is that the brain is more holographic and that any part can do kind of not any part, but other parts can do new functions. And so it's not as simple as like, oh, it's like buttons that you push, right? It's the brain changes and it's neuroplastic and can move functions and tasks around. Yeah, well, and it's just the brain. 
Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just the brain, <laughs> but so, it will kick your ass. Part. Yeah. Don't, don't hit yourself with a brick in the head. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you felt you did? Yeah, that's pretty much not what I felt I did. That's pretty much what I did do. But uh, yeah, so if I hear you correctly, what you're kind of saying is that you you went through an initial phase of peaking and getting to transcendent experiences. Oh yeah, like I'm transcendence on transcendence on transcendence on holy shit. There's a reality that's more real than this one, but you're not going to touch it till after you're dead, dying coming back to life. I mean, just really far out, you know? And then at that point, past that point, when there was the kind of the come down period or you weren't peaking at the same level, presumably because of the neurological decay, right? Let's be honest. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like it shuts down aspects, especially the, the method of administration, which is incredibly dangerous out there. Uh, don't, don't do that. Get an oxygen tank <laughs> because don't you, do you cut off your oxygen supply. Yeah. And you know, I'm pretty sure that yeah, you're, you're, you're start you're, you're tripping because you're starving the brain of oxygen and it's, you're, it's, there's yeah, there's, well, it works on, um, your NDMA receptors. So those, those uh, neurotransmitters are responsible for the communication of body presence so you're basically disconnecting your brain from your body. I mean, that's why, you know, under uh, certain conditions, it'll allow for easy astral travel or perceptive experiences of astral travel, th- those kinds of things. But just, just so, so, so meditate. So, just meditate. Towards so, so ketamine in the, in the disassociative effect. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can have those kinds of um, experiences. But if you're cutting off your oxygen supply for extended periods of time, First thing to go is going to be your prefrontal cortex. So, uh, you know, all of your executive functions, which then compounds because the next time you have an opportunity to do something like this, you have less executive override to tell you, hey, you know, you're a fucking senior software architect. You should stop doing this. Are you, <laughs> you know? still a senior software architect? What was that? Are you still a senior software architect? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you but maintain employment. It got dicey. It got but, dicey. But, but you've, you've maintained it. I mean, I, I, I've maintained, I've come fully back. And I would say that due to the rigors of spiritual disciplines, a lot of that has bled over into my practical day-to-day work and that I'm actually more effective, considerably more effective even if I have to at times now push through pain that, you know, I didn't have to before. Okay. So just to be clear, so when, when you got through the initial um, um, honeymoon period, sure. Um, what did it, what, how did it change? It sounded like you were experiencing it as coming down into lower. <clears throat> sometimes drugs, when you get into that, basically they can get into like that feel sleazy or they can feel it becomes more disturbing or more, you get into realms of disturbing. By the way, I have a I have a beeping robot in the other room. I need to rescue. Give me one second. Oh, that's fun. Don't mind the uh, the sorcerer's helper. The de- the, de- oh, the Roomba. Yeah. Well, the D bot. You know. Oh. Appropriately named. Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, that Mickey Mouse uh, scene uh-huh. from Fantasia. No. Mm-hmm. So. Um, um, wizard is lazy. Wizard likes tasks done for him by servitors. 
Okay. So, um, um, okay. So then where did you end up? So where did the trip start going when they were not as pleasant? Yeah. So, you know, for a while I was walking around and I had felt like, let's say during the first six months, I'd felt like, uh, enlightened. I, everything looked alive. I would, this is just during normal waking life, not even using, I'd look at trees. There was an aura around trees. You could literally see life. This was amazing. (laughs) And, uh, slowly but surely things started as the usage got so extreme. And I was trying to see how far does this go? Well, (laughs) to, you know, to, to sin is to miss the mark, (laughs) right. And have your arrow fly over the target. So, uh, my arrow flew over the target, so to speak. And, uh, then it started to go deeper into a realm that I would only describe as the shades. Okay. Got it. All right. I mean, I was communing with the dead. And this was disturbing to you or just fascinating in a different way or? There were some experiences that were completely and utterly terrifying where, you know, afterwards I'd be in the bathtub. I used to say being at the bathtub, seeing the universe in bubbles, you know, spouting prayers to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> like, what did I just do? You know, uh, complete loss of, of reality and uh, utterly terrifying. Yeah, you know, there were poltergeist experiences, wraith experiences, you know, it really uh, experiences of the only thing, I used to call it the bogeyman, uh, like fairy, fairy kind of tale experiences, all kinds of different experiences. And mind you, this is coming from somebody who prior to this was a hardcore rationalist atheist. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, to even ha- be having, um, direct experience of these things, of these sort of imaginative realms or who even knows what the fuck to call them, uh, is coming from that perspective and bringing that perspective into it. Yes. Is something else. And they are real. That would be, if I were to draw a conclusion, which (laughs) I don't do that much anymore. Uh, I would say that, yes, these are real things. Yeah, and I know to some extent what you're talking about because certainly going through my own psychedelic experiences in my 20s, there are the early transcendent experiences and all is love and we're all Buddhas and we're all going to make it. Oh, yeah, Uh uh-huh. And then if you keep going, one of the reasons that one may begin to experience the realms of of death is because they are literally on death's door for instance, from damages, damage from substances. So you can't really see the realm of death unless you've got one foot in it. I had one foot into the realm of death. So, kids, <laughs> stop while the magic's still alive and start your practice. <laughs> one of the reasons why, um, while psychedelics can be very good for opening the door to practice, they need to be stabilized fairly quickly into... Um, um, spiritual practice like meditation or ritual work as you're doing now right yeah and you know as alan watts said if you get the message hang up the phone right but you didn't and i didn't so we can have a conversation yeah and you know it's not uh these things are can bring a terror 
that uh, is hard for me to relate in words. Is right. really right. yes. Yeah. Things on something in that period of my life, um, I saw things and experienced things that I have never written down because I do not want people to be able to replicate the experience. Right. And there's no edge lord thing. There's no. <clears throat> Oh my God, like I saw the most hardcore shit. It's like, I don't want people to go there. I would never, in fact, I, I <laughs> you kind of caught me off guard relating this experience. I wasn't planning to relate this experience. If anybody is listening and even thinks for a second to go and replicate this experience, please do yourself a favor and do not. Um, these things are no joke. And if you think you've been scared in life before, you're wrong. That's right. And you're not scared until your soul is a chip at the gambling table. You're not, you're not scared until you understand and until you feel a true existential gamble. Yeah. And by the way, that's when faith becomes real. That's, that's when you understand the nature of faith. That's when... Because it's all you got, right? Because it's the only thing, it is the only ship that you're sailing on. I hope it, I walked around, I should, you know, I walked around for a year and people would say like, oh, you know, like, uh, it seems like you're, you're coming back. You're doing okay. Cause, cause my life got a little bit dicey there. I also had a kid in the middle of this and got married. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause I like to take on a lot, Jason. Um, but, uh, what was that? What did you say? Oh, I said, cause I like to take on a lot, Jason. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. You're, <laughs> gung-ho got it okay yeah uh but uh i uh yeah you know for a while i would tell people you know but but for the grace of god go i that's it you know uh that's all i had was uh faith that there was grace and uh salvation because and you know you talk a lot about this that and magic people don't fully comprehend the uh, esoteric Christian roots of a lot of the stuff, you know, John D was doing um, stuff like that. And, and the importance of the concepts of forgiveness, the importance of the concepts of salvation, that these are in human consciousness. Um, and that's a hundred percent true. It's a hundred percent right. Cause you can go to places where there is no salvation and there is no forgiveness in consciousness. And, uh, you're correct. And th- this actually touches upon what I was mentioning earlier with there are certain uh, spiritual systems in which those aren't even concepts. These tend to be animistic and shamanistic worlds. Yeah. Now, I'm very nice and polite and, and uh, um, um, fully as I, I attempt to give as much as possible, particularly with my students. But there are times in my magical career and I'm still online where I can become a utterly ugly, holy terror, like peeling the fucking wallpaper off. Yeah. And the reason is because I've had the, you and I have had this experience and yeah. there are out there running spiritual systems that directly interface with that level of reality and foister, um, uh, pushing them upon younger people. Right. You know, so for instance, a lot of the, um, grimoire demonic stuff, and then a lot of things like the darker sides of Budon and Paulo and Santeria and things like that are technologies for directly interacting with that level of reality and it will fucking eat you. It'll, it'll eat every aspect of your life and what's it's done with your, and it'll start with your consciousness. Uh, you know, that's, that's where the, the whole game happens. So, you know, I can, I, I can say 
that if you just follow, you know, some very basic paths, you know, a lot of people go into that stuff. It's because they want something, you know, it's, it's, they're trying to get something they want some, maybe, maybe you want revenge. Maybe you're angry. And, uh, you know, if you just follow some basic meditation, uh, I think personally, I think you can just do the LBRP, LBRP, meditate, LBRP, just do that. Fuck sigils, fuck all your chaos magic. You just want something. You're, you're better off. You're better off figuring out that you actually already have everything you could ever want. You know, if you look deep enough, you're literally glowing with hot white magic. That's you. You already got it. So don't do any of that demon stuff. <laughs> but the other thing to be aware of, of course, beautifully put. The other thing to be aware of is 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 that um, it, I'm so happy we're having this call because you're so beautifully articulating this and showing from lived experience. Yeah. And also the beautifully articulating your path. Um, you know, your successful initiatory path through the realms of the dead and towards to the other side, right? Yeah. But the other thing to be aware of is, because I've seen this happen a lot, is that um, this can happen with heavy drug use, right? It's not just because some people can, um, it's a little bit more complicated than just people being edgelords and looking for dark magical systems. It's not quite as straightforward as that because there's a certain level of, you know, I've seen it happen many times where the, the, I've talked about this before, I forget what I called it, but it was kind of like the path of escalation where you start mm -hmm. out with mushrooms, you know, right. and then it's MDMA and like all those, that little trinity, you're having these incredible, beautiful experiences and um, for a while. And then there's, but then there may be a path of escalation, particularly if and this your people are particularly vulnerable in this, to this when they're in magical groups or scenes where things are being passed around, right? And the, people become much more, and like, I'm totally becoming like dad mode, but I'm totally embracing it because it's like all the stuff they tell you in school. It's like, oh, gateway drugs. Well, guess what? <laughs> yeah. Some, certain people, not always. Now, okay, people using pot for calming down or for medicinal purposes, that's not a fucking gateway drug, right? Like, yeah. that's, that's something else. But what I mean is um, there's definitely a path of escalation, particularly for... Um, uh, magically inclined people where it's mushrooms, acid, LSD, lipids, ketamine, cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, crack. Dropping acid, shooting heroin, huffing whippets. Yeah, like where else can we go? Be, right. You because, don't want because it becomes a process of exploration, right? Yeah, it was curiosity. You know, it was, they say curiosity killed the cat and that is true. Um, you know, it's, it's unbridled there. There is no cure for, for curiosity. Well, actually there is a cure for curiosity. Fucking meditate. <laughs> you know? And, and realize that there's no, this isn't a race. There's no rush. There's nothing that you actually need to get. You probably don't even know yourself. The part of yourself that wants something so bad isn't even your true self, you know? Um, so, you know, if you just meditate, you'll come to realize that, um, your true self is self-sufficient. El, El Shaddai El Kai, self-sufficient, the all-sufficient. Okay. And I, I believe it's Ehe Asher Ehe right? I am that I am. 
Yeah. Starting off high is, I guess so. But anyways, minor point. Go ahead. Yeah. I actually, I mean, I had, I had a direct I am experience. Direct I am experience. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but that's not, you know, you're still in practical life. One thing I like about Western practice is that it fully acknowledges, hey, if you don't have your shit together here, you know, if you're moving out to the West, you better learn how to surf. <laughs> so you need to have your stuff together in this world, especially if you want to start exploring uh, so other worlds. But, uh, you know, what you'll come to realize is that once you embrace your own internal self-sufficiency and you have the discipline um, that anything else you want to do, anything else you want to create, you want to make money, anything, it, that just comes, you know? Uh, it just comes. And it comes naturally and it flows so, so much easier. Right. You know, it's almost effortless. So it sounds like you've already answered all your own questions. <laughs> well, my initial question was, how do you work with, or what has your experience been in when you're doing a lot of like actuality work, right? Grounding in like the actual going deep into perception only, no concept, or maybe you haven't done this. And then you're also bookending it with like magical LBRP practices, you know? It's real simple, but I'm, I'm, I'm more curious about where you're coming from, right? So my second question of two questions is, um, why did you stop, right? Like at the, the moment at which you, you ceased this, uh, was there something so bad that it forced you to stop? What was the point of leverage where you said no more? I'm not going to continue doing this. Holding a gun to my head. Okay. Okay. And actually, actually being ready to pull the trigger, you know? Yeah. L- literally. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had, I'd gone so far and I knew the pain that, that, that I was about to face to, to come back. And at that moment, and also love, you know, there was a lot of love in my life and I chose, I chose love. So, you know, the, why, why do we do anything or why do we stop anything? And typically, unless you go way out into some realms where love hasn't been conceived yet, you know, love, love is the reason why we do what it is that we do. It just is. I agree. And it was love for your, your new family or. Yeah. Yeah. Love for my, for, for my new family, you know, uh, and wanting to take suddenly, you know, cause it's like, there's always a point at which you're like, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. I even made an oath. I made a magical oath that I wouldn't do it anymore. And then I broke that. And unfortunately I <laughs> put severe consequences for myself in the oath. Be careful with oaths. Those yeah. things are real. But you can't actually break them. That's the thing. You don't think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had an experience, by the way, just as an aside, I had a, you're, it just, I, I was in a, one of the first times I used a sensory deprivation tank, was maybe five years ago, and I had a moment of, this resonates so much with some of the things you're saying, I had a moment of projecting into ancient Sumeria, of all places, and looking around and seeing the state of consciousness of people at that time, and it was... To say it was Lovecraftian would be way too glib and way too broad, but there was a sense of that was a culture that was run by sorcery, right? And run by fear and a, a culture in which human sacrifice was practiced. And this was my, my experience. I don't know. Yeah. You know, 
but because uh, the archaeological records are so scant. But my experience of it was that this is a culture run by sorcery and fear and the worship of um, non-human entities. Yeah. Uh, sense that human beings are uh, chattel slaves for them and food for them ultimately, right? Yeah. And this was, and it was, it was quite terrifying. And my sense was, and actually this, uh, this was borne out by some of the archaeological reading. I mean, I looked read later, much later, um, there's only a few books about um, Sumeria, but there was the Sumerian religion, what they've gathered of it was the sense of their, their view of human beings was that they existed only as slaves to the gods, right? Or as food for the gods. And it's very, it's very similar to um, like uh, the movie Prometheus, I think. Um, and the, 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 the factor there was there was no love. There was no compassion. There was no sense of other human beings being worthwhile, right? For why that is, I don't know. And I realized is this was the state of the world prior to, you know, we might be able to say, you know, Rudolf Steiner, for instance, says that, you know, the, uh, the incarnation of Christ into the world, I'm not pushing Christianity, but the incarnation of Christ as that principle of love your neighbor as yourself, it, it became very clear to me during this experience that that sentiment didn't really, that, that whatever the historical reality of Christ was, the sentiment of love for other beings wasn't really present in the world prior to that in the way that we understand now. Now, this is just something I experienced in some Well, then, and also, you know, as far as the Western path goes, you know, a lot of the people who are coming from an Eastern perspective will call it egotistical. But really, Steiner is speaking to that ego God or I am, in, you know, the, the Christ actually coming in, Christ becoming the spirit of the earth. And that's why you all walk around saying, I am this, I am so hot. I am so cool, <laughs> you know? So right. just... The human ego is a very recent development. But a lot of, as, you, as you're saying, a lot of the Eastern systems also, at least prior to Mahayana Buddhism, which is pretty much contemporary, uh, contemporaneous with Christianity, is the idea of other human beings being worthwhile is a fairly new concept. And that concept sure. is protective to the extreme. It protects you from those levels of reality that we're talking about, which are just... Uh, you know, H.R. Geiger in humanity. Yeah. Yeah. 100% H.R. Geiger. I, I, you, you come to understand if you start messing with that stuff and mind you, what was, what was really interesting to me is I wasn't, well, I did read one book. I started to get really curious. And so I started exploring all aspects and when it started to turn dark was when I started to read all the books on Satanism, you know, and all the books on that kind of, cause I'm like, well, you know, I want to be fair and balanced. <laughs> no, don't be fair and balanced. You're worthwhile. You're don't a beautiful be person. <laughs> You're full of love. Don't forget it. Yes. Uh, and this is also a critical point for younger magicians because uh, uh, many go through that. Um, uh, people will say, well, you need to understand both sides. And also, when, when, you know, when you're not psychically sensitive and you pick up these things like the Satanic Bible, it's like, what is this kitschy bullshit? Right? Are you still on the call? I see a frozen. I think I think you might have froze. Okay. Hopefully he calls back in. Um, what I was what I was going to say is um, uh, when you're not okay. So what we're describing here is a state of being totally energetically open and, and sensitive. When you're in that state, um, 
you know, it's like, it's like the difference between looking at that stuff totally sober and on acid, right? It's like all of a sudden you see the fucking demonic energy coming off of that stuff and it's real, right? And it's not a joke. Suddenly it's an existential threat, right? And that's when things like the LBRP become a lot more obvious in the fact that there might be kind of fucking important. Yeah, right? So um, I hope that he calls back in. Uh, the, okay, what he's describing for people um, before he calls back in. So his leverage, so what's his leverage point, right? So I, I wanna make this clear to everyone. Um, so he's been through this, you know, hair raising experience, which by the way, not everyone makes it through that experience. I, I can count on um, almost past one hand people that I know who have been there and did not make it and are now dead, right? It's not a joke, right? Either through um, self-inflicted in most cases or, um, you know, th th it caught up with them, the lifestyle caught up with them. Um, so it's not a joke, right? And this is one of the reasons why I do magic.me, by the way, is not because, you know, the primary reason that I teach is not to let's say gung-ho, everyone off the uh, into the fucking pool it's as harm reduction, right? It's like, okay, there's a lifeguard in the pool. If you're gonna swim, you know, then this is how you do it so you don't drown, right? Because I know that particularly as magic becomes more popular in the West and we see it becoming more and more trendy, more and more people are gonna be going into these zones um, because they're not properly prepared, right? So it's quite helpful sometimes to have a lifeguard around um, or at least somebody who's able to, to show you how to do it um, and with harm reduction. It's pretty much like basically what I'm doing is more or less the same as dance safe for ecstasy, <laughs> right? So um, because magic is beautiful and incredible and transcendent, particularly when not combined with substances, you usually tend to get into the the um, the, the unpleasant experiences come when uh, um, substance abuse gets involved, right? And that was certainly true for Crowley and several other people. Um, so, oh, you're back. Okay. There we go. Sorry about that. Oh, you're back. Okay, great. All right. So, so basically, what I was just saying to people, I was I was talking about the, um, um, yeah, like the uh, psychotoxic, how psychotoxic that stuff apparently it becomes so apparent how psychotoxic that stuff actually is when you're in these types of states of consciousness, and why things like the LBRP become really, really important. But what I want to, what I wanted to um, clarify and point out, particularly for the benefit of people on the call, is that the leverage point for you. Now, we all at many times in our life may reach bottom rock bottom points or what and it may not have anything to do with magic right there are points in certain people's lives where they go to the edge of the abyss and then and i like and by the way what i was saying when you were on the call is it's not um an idle thing um i can count on almost past one hand people that i know who have been to the place we're talking about and did not make it and are dead from either in suicide in most cases or yeah from the, their lifestyle caught up with them. You know, in one case it was um, 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 HIV, right? You know, died, yeah. person, one person died of AIDS, right? Um, uh, not as a direct causation uh, from magical experiences, but he just, this from the general disintegrative course of his life and yeah. practices and so forth. So, um, um, so what I wanted to make clear, and if I'm correct on this, for you, the you found a leverage point which is what brought you back. And for you, it was your family. It was love, yeah. And specifically the love of your family, right? Yeah. Not, not love as an abstract principle. No, it was the, I wanted to be there 100% fully for them. 
And uh, if you want that, you cannot, like, you need to stop worrying so much about discovering new stuff and work with what's here. Work with what's right here. Because what's right here, trust me, I can tell you that my experience is completely drug-free. I don't do drugs anymore. But my experiences in meditation uh, with practice, just the beauty of discipline, um, these things are far greater. (laughs) They really truly are. And they don't fade away. Right. They, they, it's with me wherever I go. It's just my consciousness. And, uh, that's the real beauty of practice. If you cannot get too tempted and wrapped up in being, uh, you know, uh, Slayer 5,000 edge Lord, super sorcerer, (laughs) you know, master, master of all, you're going to be master of nothing. Exactly. Because ultimately magic done appropriately is about becoming more human. Yeah, it it really is. It's about integration. Yeah. Um, But it can look like something really special or super cool at first. And that's, you know, there are special and super cool aspects of it. There are things that happen and they're done and, you know, sigils are real. I, I don't do them very often because I don't need to ask for very much. But when I do do them, it's super important, the thing that needs to be done. Right. And that stuff works. But you want to know why it works? It works because I didn't do a single sigil for six months. And I meditated for an hour a day and did a shit ton of just baseline rituals. And then I took all the power in that and did it for one little tiny ask. That's it, you know? So to very quickly answer your question by way of asking a new one, starting a new one is um, it's very simple, right? Uh, meditative meditation and particularly awareness-based insight meditation, putting awareness on awareness, things like this meditating is a causal level technology. Magic, particularly hermetic magic and sigils is an astral level technology. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. So magic and, and magic in many ways is an inner magic. Uh, magic itself is an intermediary stage uh, for um, basically seeing through the astral or hallucinatory levels of reality and towards getting to reality, right? Which is meditation. So magic itself is a, is a half step measure. It in itself is ultimately an illusion, right? Magic is a samsaric practice. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, magic.me subscribers. Magic, 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 right, is um, um, a, a beginner practice. Yeah, magic's, magic's cool if you have a cold or you need some rice. <laughs> so, of course, when it's combined with causal level stuff, like you're talking about, what you're describing is, is you're, you're, you're coming, what's happening is you're coming at magic top down instead of bottom up. You're dropping from the causal levels to push through the astral instead of... And then it's 100% effective. It's not like a question, you know? Right. But in the, in the case originally where you're coming up from the material, most people start and say, oh, materials or anything that's not material going up to the astral. They go up to the astral and then they, without, if they don't have a practice, this is why autocratic gurus are so useful. Like, no, it's the fucking Zen stick. Like, fucking pay attention. Because what happens is they get, what we, what we described, right, is traditionally they get lost in the astral. Now, when we combine this with the high octane substances that are available to modern people, it's well, it becomes all the more real, right? So, mm. um, um, but ultimately, the astral is the astral is another level of samsara. It's another level of delusion. 
It's just yeah. the level of delusion that you don't need a body to experience. Ultimately, it's not any different than going to the mall. So, However, I, I will say this, that if you're having issues with the astral, um, you know, maybe you hear voices or uh, you're, you're disturbed on a regular basis um, by like uncontrollable thoughts, th- things like this, that magical practices, and in, in particular, if you're doing them in a disciplined manner, can help tremendously with those things. Whereas meditate and be very effective in a very short and a lot shorter period of time than uh, say meditation, because meditation, you're going to be confronting yourself directly and uh, it can take quite a while. You know, it can take six to eight months of daily meditation before you really experience effects that you're just not tacking on because you need to believe that what you're doing is making a difference. Uh, whereas you start doing the LBRP or in particular, the middle pillar ritual is, is huge for grounding yourself to right here, right now. Um, you know, you can experience the energy for the central channel, as we were talking about earlier on one of the earlier calls, rather than letting it dissipate here. Do that daily for two weeks to a month. And you will most definitely have a change in your, in your life and your consciousness and your, in your outlook. And you don't even need to ask for anything. Trust me, it starts, starts with this. Right. So just to recap real quick. So you went into this experience because you wanted to see what was out there past the material world. You found out there was a whole lot out there. A whole lot. The leverage then that you decided, then you went through it. On the other side, the leverage was the love of your family in the real world. Yeah. Okay. Are you all the way? Are you all the way back? Ninety-seven percent. What's the three percent? Um, it's very easy for me to uh, become ungrounded. My consciousness, like lifted back up almost from, from out, out from under my feet. And, uh, which incidentally, it's a real simple solution. Just use your feet. <laughs> right. What was that? Real simple I said, there's a real simple solution to that. If you feel like you get ungrounded often is use your feet, <laughs> you know, just move your awareness down into your feet and you'll be okay. So, so, so that, when that happens, can you describe to me like, what is the sensation? What is the energy? What happens? Oh, it's a very, it's like a lifted, anxious sensation that was not one. Yeah, it's like, it's like I'm up in, uh, it's, it's kind of like, it's just, it's like an untethered feeling. It's, it's, it's a, it's a kite that's uh, a kite gone off string feeling. So you feel like you're trying to lift out of your body. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm not I'm not fully present. It's like uh, a kite that's gone out of the uh, whose string has gone out of the hand of a child and is now just taking off in the wind. Um, Whereas before prior to this entire experience, I I would never have any feeling of being easily lifted and carried off. So what is the the trigger? What is the stimulus that um, induces the child letting go of the string? Oh, uh, usually if I'm, uh, recounting dreams, um, like, like that'll, that'll start it. If I'm, rec- it's usually a recounting, recounting vi- now going it to somebody. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm recounting certain experiences or re- recounting certain dreams, 
uh, that will trigger it. And again, it's not a problem. It's just that 3%. Um, it's something that I have to work with. Where is your astral body right now? Where is my astral body right now? Well, it's nowhere, Jason. Well, <laughs> because you're going somewhere when you're lifting up, right? So where's right. your astral body? Um, it's right here. How does Zen cone, by the way? It's a real question. Okay. Yeah. Where, where is my astral body? I, I would say that uh, it typically feels as if it's, um, where is it centered? It would be centered up top, third eye area. Okay. So when you're doing physical meditation practices and you put, um, what I'm guessing you're doing subject object work meditating, you're putting your awareness on awareness or something like that? If I'm doing self-inquiry work, I'll put awareness on awareness because that's trying to get into pure subjectivity. And then um, what's the results of that for you? The results of that typically are um, an incredible sense of immediate uh, presence and grounding in none other than this very uh, reality. Want to try a magic trick? Sure. All right. So close your eyes. Okay. And I want you to go completely and don't worry about getting untethered. I'm here. I can bring you back. I know. I'm good. I trust you. Okay. So um, I want you to transition your consciousness completely into your astral body, wherever it is. And you don't need to go off traveling anywhere. I just want you fully in your astral. It can be right here in this room. It doesn't matter. Right. Or that would probably be ideal. Keep your astral body here. But whatever it, whatever it takes for you to transition fully into your astral consciousness. Yeah. Good? Good. Okay. So from your astral body, in your astral body, put your astral body's awareness on its awareness. No shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How's that feel? That's a lot better. Mm. I hadn't that nice trick, Jason. Thank you. Yes, I'm good for something, see? Yeah, <laughs> one, one, one or two things. <laughs> I hadn't so, thought so to what, do that. What was the shift? What happened? Um, just all of the panic went away. Hmm. And okay, so if I close my eyes, and it's interesting because this was the second part of my question, which relates to doing the LPR BRP in the mind. Um, my astral, astral body now, by the way. It, it's actually back down. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're getting right back into it, present awareness. It, it, when I closed my eyes, I realized that my astral body is not, wasn't here. It's actually in this space I call the zero space. Okay which is uh, almost like a blank canvas um, that I can... Uh, it's like a, a zero space of imagination. Really interesting. If I'm doing the LBRP in that space, now when I do it, I actually appear... Well, at first it was just I would appear on the North Pole of the Earth. Now there's two of me that appear on the North and the South Pole. Okay. Are you wearing... Like Anyhow, so, uh, but you wearing close shoes? my eyes. I was in that space, yeah. Are, are you wearing shoes? No. <laughs> are you wearing socks? No. Okay, perfect. So here's what I want you to do. This All works right. way better if you do it in grass, 
it actually discharges the energy. Uh, it actually uh, grounds you like a grounding wire on a stereo. That's what it felt like when I was doing it. It was like, it was like, but it, even faster grounding than when I do it here, it was like a, like a whoosh immediate. Perfect. So now we're going to make it even more, more grounded. So okay. stand up and you don't need to be on video. It's fine. Um, or you can be if you want to be. Uh, just stand up and put your feet on the ground, right? Stand strong and tall. And by the way, this works way better. For, and everyone can do this. It works way... In fact, there are scientific studies coming out now that doing this standing bare feet in grass or in nature may be as important for your health as uh, air, water, and food. So uh, because it grounds out the electrical current from your body into the ground. All right. So, but in your case, we're just going to do it in, indoors for now. And you can, of course, do it outside later. But um, so close your eyes and start off by putting your awareness on your awareness within your physical body, your normal self. And you can just nod when you're there. All right. Okay. Now go to the astral, put the astral awareness on awareness. Whoa. And merge back into your body completely identify the astral body with the physical body and ground down into the ground through your feet, through both bodies. All right. Okay. How's that feel? Great. Great. Thank you. Actually. Um, that actually almost completely eliminates the problem of that 3%. Yeah. It's going to be 110, 110%, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to, I'll work with that one a lot that's very very helpful yes like there's some things that people can tell you to do that like you have to out of politeness convince yourself that they're effective but that was 100 percent effective ah, ah. <laughs> and what you did with Raphael, by the way uh was 100 percent effective too it was amazing just to watch on the video uh awesome. you know it was interesting because I saw him and I saw what was going on with him and I didn't know that you were going to actually point it out <laughs> and, and resolve it, but you did that beautifully. Oh, interesting. interesting. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it turns out magic, you can't just make up magic as you go. There's actual rules to this shit. And when you know the switches, they're easy to spot and easy to flip, but you can't get there just by reading books about it or declaring yourself a magician. You have to go through. No, you really do. Gone through. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I'm surprised I didn't, I, I had thought to actually, I, cause I started to work with lucid dreaming a bit and I had thought to, if I could actually get to the point where I could control my dreams that I would, um, that I would try to meditate in my dreams. But I never thought about just closing my eyes, being in that astral plane and putting That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and also very curious. What's that all about? I want to play with that one more. <laughs> see, you see what my problem is? You see how we got ourselves here? <laughs> well, I got, I'm just sitting here, you know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Joshua asks, he's, so some people in the text are confused as to the epiphany part here. So um, um, I, uh, don't worry about it too much. Yeah. Uh, the uh, These are these are advanced level clarifications that aren't really, I can explain what just like, if you didn't get what just happened, I can explain it, but it's not really going to make a whole lot of sense because you won't be able to experience it um, um, experientially 
right? So don't, don't if, it, if it didn't make sense, don't worry. It just means different people are at different levels of development. Um, for some people, uh, even magicians, particularly chaos magicians, by the way, uh, chaos magicians in general um, don't even don't have any technology for accessing the astral, right? Because the, the astral techniques weren't taught by a Carol and Hine and all those people, right? You actually have to go back to the Golden Dawn and um, Crowley and things like that. And and even so, like they didn't make it that clear, which unfortunately means that a lot of people the the route of access most people got to. Um, the astral through is through hardcore disassociative drugs, which, you know, have their own issues. Right. So, um, um, but I'm glad that was helpful. And by the way, definitely try the, the feet in the grass trick. Uh, Yeah. I'm going to do that with my feet in the grass. And I think that will be the most effective, but man, that like, that's the funniest thing too, for everyone on the call. With these, and this is why this is really effective is you, you're like a fish in water and you can't see that you're in water. And sometimes you just have to talk to someone else who, even, you know, uh, like Jason's done a lot more of this work. I've only really been at this solid for, you know, three or four years. But, you know, someone can act as a mirror and can point something out to you from their experience and what they're seeing in you. And uh, it's, it's sometimes uh, mind blowing. Because you would think that at some point I'd be like, hey, I should try to put my awareness on my awareness in that space. Uh, but I just completely missed it. So thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And I've used up enough of uh, everyone's time here. So no, I'm going to go ahead and drop off. I do need to go clean up this this salsa I've spilt all over the local parking lot in the real world. So um, uh, I don't know if you, you missed that. I, I dropped a grocery bag and had to run in to do the call. But... Um, um, yeah, I think that was, I have a feeling like that was a, like, thank you, by the way. I think that you just, everything that you shared, I think was very helpful. I was looking at the text. It was very helpful for people that really, yeah, that wasn't easy. Everybody, by the way, just burying all of my sins on camera. So well, learning experiences. Right? Yeah. So please, you know, if you find yourself in these kinds of situations, maybe you're having epiphanies, maybe you're becoming attached to the epiphanies. Um, you know, uh, you're, you're curious, you, you want to keep going, stop before it's, you've gone too far. Number one, number two, trust me, you, if you just embrace the idea of introducing discipline into your life, do some meditation. If you're doing magic, just do that LBRT, uh, LBRP resolve to do that three times a day for six months. It's not a race. Um, you will change your life and the experiences you have will be so much more beautiful because they won't be transitory and impermanent. You know, I mean, everything's impermanent, but, but that experience that you're having of beauty of love of splendor, it's typically off on the splendor side of, of the tree. You'll walk with that and to walk with that, that is the goal. Totally. Well, one, one way I like to describe it is, um, there's a big difference. I was just thinking about this a few days ago. You know, it's like when we're having a lot of these high octane, high octane experiences, you can experience these states of consciousness, but you don't get to stay there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's kind of like the difference between like Airbnb and being a place and buying it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's like, it's just being able to visit there is not the same as being able to stabilize that level of consciousness. Yeah. Right, so I want to get the gym and meditate. There you go. 
pretty much what I do. I do yoga and, and, and I do yoga and yoga, every type of yoga, but, um, out of the shades. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. I'm dropping off. Thanks, Jason. You're quite welcome. I'm, I'm glad that was helpful. Thank you. Thank you again so much for, for sharing that. It was very helpful. I think for, for me and for everyone. So the, uh, and at this point, I'm just want to reread, um, uh, I'm sure most of the people, cause I, I harp on this many times, I've harped on this many times in the classes, but I want to reread this passage, um, because I think it's going to make a lot more sense in context of the conversation that we just had. And this is from Liber O, uh, by Crowley. Um, I'm going to, I'll repost the link real quick. Um, and oops, uh, send to everyone. Okay. There we go. So. All right. So the first part of Liber O is, and Liber O is the book that is concerned with astral voyages and learning how to master the astral, right? Um, so this book is very easy to misunderstand. Readers are asked to use the most minute critical care in the study of it, even as we have done in its preparation. In this book, it is spoken of the Sephiroth and the paths of spirits and conjurations of gods, spheres, planes, and many other things which may or may not exist. It is immaterial whether these exist or not. By doing certain things, certain results will follow. Students are most earnestly warned against, um, most earnestly warned against attributing objective reality or philosophical, philosophic validity to any of them. Let me reread that again. It is in this book, it is spoken of the Sephiroth and the paths of spirits and conjurations of gods, spheres, planes, and many other things which may or may not exist. doesn't really matter, by the way. It is immaterial, as he says, it is immaterial whether these exist or not. By doing certain things, certain results will follow. Students are most earnestly warned against attributing objective reality or philosophic validity to any of them. The advantages to be gained from them are chiefly these. A, a widening of the horizon of the mind. B, an improvement of the control of the mind. The student, if he attains any success in the following practices, listen carefully, will find himself confronted by things, ideas, or beings too glorious or too dreadful to be described. By the way, how much difficulty was there in describing some of these experiences? Luckily, I've had many of similar ones, so I understood what he was talking about, but you realize how you noticed how he, it was, he was at a loss to even describe these things. Confronted by things, ideas, or beings too glorious or too dreadful to be described. And it was the same on both ends of it. The experience of transcendence and the experience of what he referred to as the realm of the shades or the dead or the hell realms. Uh, too glorious or too dreadful to be described. It is essential that he remain the master of all that he beholds, hears, or conceives. Otherwise, he will be the slave of illusion and the prey of madness. Before entering upon any of these practices... The student, should be a, the student should be in good health and have attained a fair mastery of asana, pranayama, and dharana, meaning meditation, which he, he just described everyone is the key, right? There is little danger that any student, however idle or stupid, will fail to get some results. But, but, there is great danger that he will be led astray, obsessed, and overwhelmed by his results, even though it be by those which it is necessary that he should attain. Too often, moreover, he mistaketh the first resting place for the goal and taketh off his armor as if he were a victor ere the fight is well begun. It is desirable that the student should never attach to any result the importance which it at first seems to possess. Right? 
All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget to jump in on the free meditation and the new email course, even if you're already signed up to the list. It is at start.magic.me. Start.magic.me. Free meditation and then five days of our best podcasts and content. It's going to be awesome. I will see you there. Until next time, hang in there.